It's a Monday mailbag. We're diving into the bargain bin to try to sign the player. Should the Celtics try trading for Joel Embiid? And I'm inviting NBA players to a wedding. It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team, step back. We gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast, right here in the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and I'm still here for you Monday through Friday. This is the last week of the Monday through Friday podcast. Next week, we get into the Monday, Wednesday, Friday routine, three days a week, but still a ton more podcasting about the Celtics than you're going to find just about anywhere else. Uh, so thank you for making the show part of your daily routine. If you're not a regular listener and every day or please subscribe, hit up the YouTube page, ring the bell, get notified when I drop a video. You can always hop in the comment section. Let us know what you think about the show. I'm John Corrales. I used to play once upon a time, long, long time ago, but right now my job is to cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. And today I am doing a mailbag Monday. It's mailbag Monday. You can always submit your questions to johncorrales.com slash mailbag. That's how you get the questions in, send them in, have fun with them. Questions about the Celtics, questions about uh, the NBA, history, personal stuff, goofy stuff. It's all welcome here on the mailbag. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. You can get a $100, uh, 100%, 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on at prizepicks.com. If you're a first time user, that's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. So people hit me up on johncorrales.com slash mailbag. We got tons of questions later on. We get into some fun ones, uh, including uh, international fans and uh, inviting, inviting NBA players to a wedding. I'll explain that. The second section is dedicated to the big man. It's all about big guys in the second segment. But the first segment here, let's talk about our team, the Boston Celtics. And Jack says, what player do you think has the most potential to get way better than they already are? So way better is the, the key qualifier here. So you go across the top. How much better can Derek White get? Is he going to get way better? I don't know about that. We're we're gotta be we gotta be going into like younger guys. So Tatum's probably out. Brown's probably out. Uh, there's a potential for Robert Williams to get way better. Uh, the workout videos that that have been uh, out there posted by his new uh, coach, his new uh, trainer over the summer. Uh, that's uh, he, if if he can develop that face up game a little bit, you can make an argument that he could get way better. Uh, you look on the bench, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of way better at the beginning of this rotation, the, 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 the rotation guys, I think the, the Celtics, especially, you know, because they are 
a championship level team, there's not a lot of growth. We're looking at guys at the end of the bench. We're looking at rookies. We're looking at young players who can get way better. So if we're looking at rotation, youth, potential, I'll say Sam Hauser because he obviously is a shooter, but he could become a better shooter. And in, in, I'm not saying percentage-wise. I mean, maybe. <laughs> That'd be great if he wants to become a better percentage shooter. Sure. But a more consistent shooter for him. Uh, and adding to his defense. Maybe adding uh, a little off-the-dribble stuff. He does have strong potential to get way better. Uh, so... I think he's he's and and that because that means he's starting lower, right? He he right now he's kind of a a one trick pony. He's a shooter, tries to hold his own defensively, but then beyond that, I think if he can add some of those other elements, Hauser becoming a much more well rounded player could make him, as Jack says, way better. And that's that's the key there. Owen says Jordan Walsh went 11 of 27 from three shooting 40.7% in summer league. Do you think this is Jordan Walsh showing three point improvement or just catching fire? Now he would be a guy that has the potential to be uh, way better, but it's kind of a cop out to pick the rookie because of course he should be getting a lot better as he progresses is his three point shooting right now. We, we talked about it last week a little bit. I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think he definitely caught fire right now. Jordan Walsh is, is very much a confidence shooter, which may, means basically a streaky shooter. If, if it's falling, it's, it feels good and he'll hit a bunch. If he misses a couple, then he can go on to a big, a big slump until he gets one to fall. And then he gets that confidence back up. So is there improvement? Yes, because he's finding a way to get them to fall. And as Tom Westerholm and I talked about last week, I think the focus for him is, is the release and how it comes off his hand. The form looks pretty decent. He's not strong enough at his base yet to, to, to have the right balance necessarily all the time. I think as he gets more fatigued as the game goes on, if he had to play big minutes, he, Obviously, everybody gets a little bit, if you're fatigued, your jumper starts to suffer. I think he's going to be much more prone to it because he doesn't have that solid kind of base yet, but it's improved, but not where it needs to be. And so he's very prone to catching fire. The 40.7% in summer league, I think it was sandwiched in between some bats. He had a very good opening night. He had some struggles in the middle. And then he finished strong. I thought that he showed some promise, but I, I think Jordan Walsh is, he, I can see what Brad Stevens is saying when he talks about like, Hey, his, this kid's touch is pretty good. He just needs to figure it out a little bit that I can see it. It's just the ball's not coming off his hand consistently. Sometimes I feel like it's coming off his middle and ring finger. Sometimes it's coming off his middle and forefinger. Sometimes I was always taught like the last thing is the middle finger, right? The, you know, the middle finger, you shoot it and like the follow through should be like 
that that middle finger should flick down. That's the last thing. That's what you get the the backspin on the ball. Uh, but not everybody shoots like that. But I, I that's how I was taught, and I think he needs to focus on something like that to really emphasize the ball coming off his hands the right way. If it's if it's coming off different fingers as you're shooting, you can feel it. Sometimes it's coming off the ring finger, and and that that's just going to push it a certain way. If it's coming off the forefinger a little bit more, it, it's is going to push it a certain way. You just got to make sure that you're you're using that hand as like a catapult to propel the ball. And the more the ball moves from side to side around the hand, the more variation you get in your shot, the worse shooter that you are. So the whole thing is keeping the arm, the the shoulder, the elbow, the wrist all in line, getting that good follow through, snapping that wrist, getting the good follow through, having the ball come off the middle finger and just keeping that everything in line. If everything's in line on your body, the ball comes off in line. And then it's a part, it's a matter of, did you get the right lift? Did you get the right uh, distance? Is your hand-eye coordination good enough for it to hit uh, a certain spot there? So that's where Jordan Walsh needs to get better. If he can do all of that stuff, then, and, and I feel pretty good actually about him figuring that out with the right coaching and the repetition and all of that stuff. I think that can be something that he, he, uh, he gets to. Uh, so Right now, it's more a little more catching fire, but I think there is improvement baked into that. Up next, we'll hit the bargain bin, a name, a familiar name for Celtics fans going way back to the Danny Ainge days. And also, uh, is Joel Embiid a possibility? We'll talk about all of that next. First, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. Daily fantasy made easy. It's fun. It's it's really done right because it's you versus the projections. It's not you versus me. It's not you versus the experts. It's not you versus somebody who's built an algorithm. It's you. You pick two to six players. If they score more or less than prize picks projections, then you win. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. I have had people come up to me at the garden at Celtics games and tell me how much they love prize picks because this allows them to just have fun playing daily fantasy. Hey, you can win a little bit of money while you're at it too. And they play every it's every sport you can watch. Think about a sport that you can watch on TV. You can get a prize picks projection, European sports, European basketball, cricket. Sure. You know, women's basketball big right now. Golf, just name it. It's probably on prize picks. You go, it takes like 60 seconds or less to make your entry. When you win, safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. Download the prize picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. Sign up. You play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first time user, you can deposit up to $100. They will match up to $100, but you've got to use the promo code locked on. Whatever it is, up to $100, it's a 100% instant deposit match with the promo code locked on. So download that PrizePix app, go to prizepix.com, enter that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Keep these questions coming in. 
Uh, like I said, Monday through Friday this week, next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that's going to be the plan for about the next six weeks or so. So next week going three days a week, still doing mailbag Mondays. Uh, so plenty of questions, get them in at johncorrales.com. Let's dip back into the questions here. David says, Justice Winslow? I think he gives them something they don't have now, more grit and toughness, leaning uh, as opposed to Boston's skills and drills roster. Well, <laughs> it, it's not, you're not wrong, David. It's that I just don't trust. First of all, he, he can't shoot. He's, he's, he's going to, it's going to be tough for him to be part of this Celtics team when he's it's, it's a shooting based team and he can't really shoot. Secondly, he can't stay healthy. It he's, he's had impacts. And when I, when I talk about Danny Ainge's, you know, going back to the Danny Ainge days, you gotta remember Danny Ainge almost, almost traded away everything to get Justice Winslow. He was so into Justice Winslow that he almost traded away the whole damn team, the all the picks. He almost went way overboard. It was Justice Winslow represents Danny Ainge's scared straight um, mentality of uh, he, before the Justice Winslow almost trade, Danny Ainge was actually trader Danny. He traded everybody. He was he was making moves left and right. After the D Justice Winslow near trade, Danny went into I've got to make sure I win every trade and since then, that's the flashpoint. Since then, he has been just he would rather not make a deal than make an even deal. He Brad Stevens will make an even deal. Danny Ainge will not. He wants to win the deal outright. And that's it. And that all started with the justice Winslow pursuit. Since then he's just become unreliable. He's too hurt. He's, he's just, I can't, I keep saying if he wants to sign for the minimum, then sure you can try it. But I just don't see the fit with Winslow, even though, yeah, sure. Toughness and defense. That's great. But if Ime Udoka was the coach, Maybe, maybe you'd have, you'd have something there with Joe Missoula as the coach. I don't think so. Dylan says with Joel Embiid's quote about wanting to win a championship and all the picks, the Celtics are stacking up. It seems possible that the Celtics could make a move for Joel. My question is, do you think that it's possible for that to happen with two organizations that have such a history, historic rivalry, make such a blockbuster trade? So. The answer, generally speaking, is if both sides feel satisfied that their goals have been met, then, yeah, any two teams can come together and make a deal. Now, for Philly, at that point, I would assume that they would have to be completely rebuilding. And so if Boston had picks and picks from other teams that Philly could get that are probably going to be better than Boston's picks, because Boston's picks are going to be generally bad, 
if Joel Embiid's in town, and depending on what you give up, it's Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum and whoever the, the remaining packages are, uh, players are, um, it would be it would be tough, I think, for Boston's picks to make Philadelphia happy. Um, at the same time, if Boston is giving up, say Jalen Brown or Kristaps Porzingis in that deal, <laughs> can you imagine pairing Embiid and Porzingis together? Holy crap! But I would say that Philly's probably not going to be completely rebuilding. If they're trading with Boston, you're probably taking on Jalen Brown, unless they took Jalen Brown to flip him. I I don't know that a Philly a Philly Boston trade would actually accomplish the goals for both teams. So for that reason, I'm going to say they probably couldn't. If you get three teams involved then maybe, but it a hundred percent depends on what Philly is trying to accomplish. Are they tearing it all down going full process? Again, your, your 20 win team, all of that, then they wouldn't care so much if Joel Embiid is winning a championship in Boston, because by the time Boston's title run is over, Philly, Philly would be rebuilding anyway. So it doesn't matter what any other team does. Even if it's a rival, the goal would be to get enough picks and players. But that's if. if. If Philly is trying to retool and stay good, somehow trade Joel Embiid and stay good, I doubt it. But if they were trying to do that, then there, I don't think there's any way that would happen. So it would be very difficult. The short answer is it'd be very, very difficult. But I'll repeat. Two teams, any two teams can trade with each other. If they feel like, if they each feel like they're accomplishing their goal with the trade. So, uh, but it, it, I'd be very, very hard pressed to see that. Bob asks, are we seeing a revival of the center slash big man role in the NBA? The best three players in the league, Jokic, Jan Jokic Jans, and Embiid are essentially centers who thrive in the paint while still having the ability to hit the three. Sabonis and Bam helped lead their teams to playoff success. And two of the most promising young players in the league, Holmgren and Weminyama, are big men. Could the trade for Porzingis be a move to follow this trend? I don't think Porzingis is following a trend. I think Porzingis just is the best available player that is different than Tatum and Brown. And the, the difference between those styles is what the Celtics kind of need. They need somebody to be able to, to dump the ball into a, a safety valve type of scorer and, and a guy, his size can help protect the rim. So that can start transition uh, offense. And that's, that's what the Celtics need. And, and Porzingis can very easily be a trailing big who hits trailing threes. So yeah, it makes, it makes some sense there. I don't think that's part of it. I don't think Brad Stevens said, Ooh, this is a trend. I need to trade for Joel Embiid uh, or I, I need to trade for Kristaps Porzingis to be part of that trend. However, I do see the point, Bob, that you're making. Jokic, I'm not going to throw Giannis in there. Giannis is essentially a big, but he he plays a wing. He's not he, – I get what you're saying, and he can guard bigs. He's a giant person, but he's he's not a center. He, he's a face-up guy. So, But Jokic, Embiid, Sabonis, Bam, I mean, those types of players – 
it's it's not quite the the stretch five necessarily, but it's more the type of player that can pass and play 15 feet, 20 feet, 25 feet from the basket, face the basket and make plays. That's what they all can do. Sabonis uh, sets great picks and makes those plays, is a good passer, good facilitator from the top of the key, the elbows. Those are the types of bigs. It's not, it's not the classic revival of a center big man in the NBA. It's not a classic Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson type type of guys. That's it's it's a a more mobile kind of player. Jokic is not a traditional big necessarily, even though he's kind of big and lumbering. He obviously shoots the three, but he passes the hell out of the ball. And if you're if you're running, if you're if you're cutting behind. Uh, the defense and Jokic is at the top. He, I mean, he'll find you anywhere on the floor. It's the it's these passing guys. Jokic can pass, and Bead's better at it. Uh, Bam is is better at it. Sabonis is good at it. it, it it's that type of player. You got to have that element. So there's more versatility to their games. Um, but I do think that there is an admission that you need to have guys who are bigger than six nine out there playing, playing center. You just need to have that. Like, I think Rob could be the exception because he plays like a seven footer, but it's the size is it's, I think more for like the rim protection type. I, I just don't think you can, you can be undersized unless you are just you, like, if you're undersized, you got to be amazing, amazing. I think it's just more, you just definitely need some size in your team. You tie that into what Toronto kind of failed at being super versatile, super switchable. That didn't work for them. Uh, Let's take a second here. Uh, I'll come back. Uh, Another question about the bigs. And then we'll get into some fun questions, including the uh, players, uh, NBA players that I would get at, uh, at a wedding. Sure. Why not? I want to thank everybody for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Check out the Lockdown NBA podcast. Lockdown NBA hosted by me on Wednesdays with Jake Madison, rotating hosts all week. Lockdown NBA staying Monday through Friday, all through the offseason. So we're going to have some fun conversations there all offseason long. That's not going down to three days a week. Lockdown NBA staying five days a week. So check check us out there. Uh, just wrapping up this big man conversation. Uh Let's see here. Uh, Dania asks, <laughs> who do you got in the pregame coaches run, Joe or Phil? It's Phil Pressy. Joe Mazzul or Phil Pressy. And how interesting would a lineup of Tatum, Al, Porzingis, Rob, and Luke Cornette be for a few minutes? <laughs> Let's start with the pregame coaches run. I don't think people understand that that run is like no, no rules. It's a table, ladders, and chairs match. So I've seen guys get trucked. Uh, I'll still give it to the NBA player, though. I mean... Phil Pressy is still Phil Pressy. He's still an NBA player, so he's gonna he's gonna roast some of these guys uh, for sure. Uh, I'm I'm all in on a super big lineup. Let and you know what? Don't be surprised if you see this lineup out there once or twice during the season in a uh, 
one second left on the clock or a half second left on the clock, all, all you can do, like if you're, if you're up three or some, some situation where it's like, Hey, you just don't give up the lob. Don't give up the lob and you're fine. Uh, like a, a like a, a I was I guess it would only be a point two second type of thing, but some situation where just put all of the big guys around the rim and prevent the lob. That's I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that lineup out there once or twice for that specific. They'll play when you say a few minutes, they might play a few seconds, but that's um. I would, I, I, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Garbage time. Let's, let's do this for garbage time. Uh, Vincent says, my question's kind of off the track, but good for summertime. I love those off the track. But good for summertime. What was your impression of the late, great Drazen Petrovic? Uh, he was one of my favorite non-Celtics players back in the day. I always hoped somehow they could have get him. Uh, Look, Drazen was ahead of his time. That guy could do everything. And it's been a long time, but I just remember him as a just a straight killer. That guy could shoot, dribble, I and mean, he he was he was a great great player. Um just absolutely, you know, it's tragic that he was uh that he was killed so young, but man uh, I just I just remember him as one of those first European imports because back then uh, there was a reputation. Oh, these European guys are soft and blah blah blah. He was not soft. This dude was as competitive as anybody. He'd come down and hit hit a shot in your face, drive by you. He could do everything. So yeah, he I can see why he'd be one of your favorite non-Celtics players. He he should have been. He was he was awesome. Uh, those New Jersey teams were really, really, really good. Uh, yeah, that's a shame. Drazen Petrovic was, he's, he's one of those underrated guys. He needs, he needs more love. Like it's one of those, he's one of those guys where he, he should show up. Like his highlights should just show up randomly on Twitter and people say, you know what? We're not talking enough about Drazen Petrovic. Look at, look at these five minutes of him roasting dudes. That would be, that, that would be fun. Uh, Paolo says, Hey John, how about an international fan base day? Ask your audience out there. Who's from where? Uh, obviously Paolo, he's from the, uh, from Italy. It talks about, he happened to watch the 1984 finals by chance and fell in love with Larry bird. And a lot of guys have that kind of story. The, you know, the older European, uh, overseas international, uh, folks, it was, it was tough to, to get the NBA. This is why the dream team was so important. Uh, you know, who cares that they were rolling teams by 50? They, they gave a, a whole generation of, of young fans and players, uh, their real first glimpse of true NBA dominance. And it inspired a whole group of, you, know, you hear Dirk Nowitzki, talk about that the guys guys of that era were inspired by the dream team and so yeah international fan base day i think every day is international fan base day let me just let me just put that out there i 
have said it on the podcast many, many times, but I'll say it again. I love, I love all the fans, right? I love all the fans, but you international fans have to really take this a step beyond what fans around here have to do because you know, what's the word if you're in the, in the United States, in the continental United States, anyway, you, you, okay. So the game's on at four 30, you know, on the West coast and that's a little bit tough, but it's not so bad. It's you can, you can find a way. Maybe you just record it and you watch it a little bit later, but you can be done with the game by seven o'clock. By the time you get home, you fast forward through commercials and stuff and you're, you're good. You're golden. The international fans are waking up at three, four, five in the morning. What the, the craziness of, of what you have to do to watch a game and be invested is beyond. It just is above and beyond. So I would love it if international fans hopped in the comments uh, on the YouTube page and just let me know. Let me know where you're from. Let me know, like, shout out your country. Let me know because I think it's amazing that you all are so dedicated that you're willing to lose sleep and, and watch in weird hours at weird times in weird ways, uh, wherever you get your streams, however you get your streams. Uh, and then I, I appreciate the fact that you turn to podcasts like mine for added context and, and different things like, to help you kind of to help supplement your your fandom and your, uh, you know, enjoyment of the game. I do, I do take that seriously. Uh, I know that, uh, I'm kind of recapping things for some people, but kind of filling in things for a lot of people. So, uh, I have nothing but the utmost respect for all of the international fans. I know there are a lot of international fans for this podcast. Uh, lots of folks in Europe, tons of folks in Australia. I love my Australian listeners. You guys are awesome. I feel like there's been a group of Aussies that have been following me around since the Reds Army days, and it's just been awesome to get to know a bunch of them. They're awesome, I mean, amazing folks. And Philippines is a basketball-mad country. Uh, it, it's it's just great. Whatever country you're from, thank you. We're just, honestly, just thank you. Uh, let's, let's wrap this up with Owen's question. Who says, congratulations on getting married? Thank you. Lots of people congratulating me still. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. If you could go back and invite any current or former NBA players to the wedding, which three would you choose? Oh, man. Um, I've actually, I've been thinking about this question for a while, and I still can't narrow it down. And so let's, let's talk it through here. Any player, current or former, uh, if I can go back in time, can I invite, uh, I would have to invite Bill Russell and I would have to invite, invite Tommy Heinsohn, like Tommy Heinsohn at a wedding. How amazing would Tommy be at a wedding? So like Tommy and Bill Russell are, Bill Russell counts for two. Uh, but I, I would, I would get those two just because I'd want to sit there any opportunity I can get to find a way to talk to Bill Russell somehow, some magical way, I'm in. I've always wanted to do that. I've always wished I could. Um, so he would be on my list. And then I guess Larry Bird, although I, I, 
I'm afraid if I made it an open bar, Larry, Larry would crush so many beers at a wedding that I might go broke if I had the open bar. But, um, if we're going, if we're just going with current or former still with us, with us who could actually go to the wedding, I'm trying to figure out like who would be the most fun, right? Uh, I was thinking about Dennis Rodman. I, I don't think I could do Dennis Rodman because I think my wife might run off with Dennis Rodman. Uh, that's that's going to be out. He's he's too much fun. Um, I still I'd still have to do Larry Bird. Uh, Kevin McHale is my basketball hero, and I keep saying if it wasn't for Kevin McHale, I might not be here doing this podcast. Like I I copied Kevin McHale in high school. I basically. 80% of the points I ever scored uh, in in competitive basketball are a direct result of copying Kevin McHale somehow. So uh, he he would have to go. He would have to go. So if I'm doing that, then I might as well just do the big three, right? And invite Robert Parrish. How cool would it be to have the big three, Robert Parrish, uh, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, reunite at my wedding? I would throw a second, I would throw another wedding just that if they would agree to do that, I would throw another one. I'd pay for the whole thing. Let's do it, guys. Uh, that that makes the most sense for me because I'd have to, the, the only issue, the only issue there is I would be ignoring my wife the entire time. I just completely like, oh, love you. We're married. I do. Goodbye. I'm going to be at this table over here come get me at the end of the night. That's going to be the end of it. And I honestly, and why I married her, I think she'd understand. She'd be like, yeah, I get it. I'll just talk to you tomorrow. That's fine. I'm just going to give you some bourbon. Here's a bottle of bourbon and you know, a bucket of ice. You guys have some fun. Um, and that's, that sounds like a great night to me. Thank you all for sending in the questions. Um, keep forgetting to change these banners. I'm going to stop doing these banners on the YouTube thing. I keep forgetting to change them. I'm just going to put this johncorrales.com slash mailbag. That's where you send your questions in mailbag Mondays for the rest of the off season. So we've got at least what six or seven more of these mailbag Mondays. So send them in. And maybe, maybe if I get like uh, an abundance, I'll just keep doing, I'll I can do mailbag week. And just keep answering your questions because it's fun. It's fun. You want to know some stuff. I've got answers for you. And it's a great way to keep the conversation going through the, the rest of the off season. So please do that. Uh, as always, I want to thank you so much for being an everyday listener Monday through Friday. We're going back to Monday through Friday at the end of September. So this week, then when September roll, end of September rolls around, we're back Monday through Friday through the rest of the season. Once the season starts, could be six days a week, could be seven, depending on the schedule. I'll do post games. We'll keep doing post game podcasts whenever they happen. Friday night, Saturday night, no matter what. Every night there will be a post game podcast. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Would love to have you on board. Uh, would love to have you share the podcast as well. Let everybody know. Everybody around you. Everybody on the train. Everybody in traffic. When you pump up the podcast and when somebody says, hey, what are you listening to? You should tell them it's the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You should be listening to it too. You should be watching it too. It's right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team.